Welcome to the Startup CPG podcast. Startup CPG is a community of passionate people building products that make our bodies happy and our world healthy. We host interactive events and serve as a resource for insights and expertise to build a brand that's better for people and better for the planet. My name is Lauren Joyner. I am the founder of a company called Loca Food based in San Francisco. Lauren and I talk about nutrition, shelf life, and the history of America's obsession with cheese. We are on a mission to make healthy eating easier by reinventing classic dairy comfort foods with nutritious, allergy-free ingredients that everyone can enjoy. What I think is so remarkable about Loca Foods is the care and thought that's put into the product. Lauren has really done her research to understand what it is about food that we even enjoy. What purpose does it serve? In what context is it shared? And how does it make us feel? Consumers now, they kind of want it all. They want the, the exact replication of the taste. They also want to make sure it's got some nutritional value. They want it to be convenient and extra bonus if it's competitive in terms of price point. Her first product really reflects that. It's an alternative to dairy. And this is such an important mindset for disrupting a broken food system. Understanding what doesn't work, how it got that way, and why we cling to it are essential foundations for building a better food system. I am so excited to announce that Loca is officially launching on January 1st, 2021. You'll be able to order our queso through our website, eatlocafood.com. Stay tuned for some exciting partnership announcements on our social media starting in January. Welcome to the Startup CPG podcast. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Our first product is a first-of-its-kind plant-based potato queso. It is a shelf-stable nacho cheesy sauce that's packed with nutrients and full of flavor. It's free from the top eight allergens and contains no artificial flavors or preservatives. And it's made from you know, real vegetables that you could just grow in your backyard. It truly you know, melts taste and, and, and looks like that gooey, glossy nacho cheese sauce that maybe you ate as a kid growing up or you're used to eating at a ball game. We met for the first time digitally at the Startup CPG pitch event, the first ever virtual event where we brought in 17 different brands, Loca included, gathered samples to send out to 50 other people, media, investors, buyers to participate in a live virtual tasting. What was your experience? Yes. Well, uh, I mean, the, the experience was incredible and just a phenomenal opportunity for me, you know, as a new emerging brand, you know, pre-launch. And, you know, I just have you and Daniel and the whole team to thank for making this happen. For me, you know, in particular, it was it was sort of funny because as you know, the the product samples that I shipped out to all these incredible members of the press and investors and and retailers were actually pulled from one of the first trial runs on the floor with my current co-packer. And we've spent about you know eight months sort of scaling up and perfecting this product to commercialize it and, and bring it to market. And so I was a bit nervous to send these samples out because in many ways they're sort of unfinished. So I'm so glad you know I ended up just going for it and and 
being part of this incredible pitch competition, just to have my product be included in a box with so many amazing companies and products that I buy all the time was just, you know, was just thrilling. So thank you so much for that opportunity. Oh, you bet. Thanks, Lauren. You also said that it's a shelf stable product. Yes. I remember from Pitch that that's not always been the case. You started out as not a shelf-stable product. Can you tell us about your decision to become shelf-stable and what that transition's been like? Yes, that's that's a great question. You are absolutely right. I soft-launched within you know, a contained test market over a year ago now. I had set up a test market in Northern California with uh, sort of a variety of different uh, distribution points. And I was fortunate because I was able to bring the product into Oracle Park Baseball Stadium here in San Francisco, the cafeteria at the University of San Francisco, as well as bring it you know, to the menu at some major corporate tech campuses here in the Bay Area, like uh, NVIDIA and a number of other grocery stores. And it was great because you know I was able to talk to chefs in the kitchen and get direct feedback from consumers that I took and implemented to working toward this new formula and really, you know, scaling up the product with a co-manufacturer and making something that could be mass produced at scale with all the feedback and everything I had learned, you know, in the test market. And I've spent almost eight months perfecting a brand new formula that is shelf stable. And as he said, you know, it wasn't always shelf stable. My first MVP formula was this highly perishable product. It had a 45-day shelf life requiring refrigeration. And now I'm so excited to say it has a 12-month shelf life, no refrigeration wow. required, which is, you know, truly allows me to compete directly with dairy nacho cheese sauce. I'm curious, how does that impact nutrition? What's the trade-off or the considerations that you you think about when you're transitioning from something that was fresh to shelf-stable? You know, this was a, a great learning experience for me as well, because I, I don't come from a background in food, and I spent a lot of time learning as much as I could about food science and truly understanding uh, nutrition and different applications of packaging products and how that impacts uh, nutrition. And again, I am not claiming to be an expert. I don't have a degree uh, in food science by any means. But you know, from what I understand from working with people that know a lot more than I do, it's, it really comes down to the way the product is, is made. And you can have a very much not nutritious product with a short shelf life that's refrigerated. Mm -hmm. And you can also at the same time have a very nutritious product with a long shelf life. And it really comes down to the ingredients that you're using, um, how acidified your product is and how it's uh, manufactured. For our product, you know, as I mentioned, there, there is no artificial flavors. There's no preservatives. And I'm really proud of the the ingredient list. Mm -hmm. It's truly full of vegetables. Uh, potatoes is the first ingredient and we're using fresh tomatoes. Uh, we're using fresh jalapenos, onions, garlic, carrots, uh, just a number of you know vegetables. And so it, it truly is full of, of nutrients and uh, whole foods. So it really gets down to the ingredients. That's what makes the difference between a nutritious shelf-stable product and anything that's not nutritious, shelf-stable or otherwise. Yes, I think it's both a mix of the ingredients used and the way that the product is uh, manufactured, the process that it goes through to achieve uh, shelf stability. 
Got it. And you're creating a product that replaces or elevates another (laughs) shelf-stable product, right? Nacho cheese. (laughs) Yes, that is... That is what I'm hoping to do. I really, you know, I wanted the product to have the same packaging and the same look and feel and the same application and ability to withstand heat as, you know, dairy, dairy nacho cheese competitors. And that's very much intentional. And I love to kind of go back and reflect on the history of nacho mm-hmm. cheese in America. You know, this product really became popular in American families in the 1950s. And, you know, in 1940s, we have people just still coming off of the war and people were still canning a lot of foods and they valued foods that could last a long time. They could store in cellars beneath their home and the product could be preserved and withstand, you know, sort of economic chaos and whatnot. And then in the 50s, you have the invention of the refrigerator and the refrigerator started becoming popular and making its way into American homes. And from what I've read, Kraft Foods really invented Velveeta as a means of preserving uh, the scraps left over from cheese making. And when they made the product, it had, you know, very long shelf life, which at the time was unheard of with cheese, you know, cheese before was something that didn't last long and, you know, it would go bad, spoil fairly quickly. So with Velveeta, you know, it was marketed as this incredible long shelf life cheesy product that was nutritious, um, arguably, and Mm -hmm. could be put on, you know, all sorts of American dishes. And, you know, we're still eating this, this stuff today, as you said, I mean, it's, it's everywhere. You can find it in gas stations, public schools, sports arenas, uh, hospitals, you name it, it's it's all over the place. And so when I'm thinking about the application of nacho cheese, how it's used, its function, what has made it appealing from the beginning, I knew that for my product, I really wanted to make sure that it was shelf stable and could compete in that uh, in that sense. What's really incredible when we think about the history of the modern food system and as people like you are transforming it and and creating healthier alternatives for people in the planet to really notice that these products haven't even existed for a hundred years. And so we're thinking, oh, we need to transform the food system. And, and that feels like a big uphill battle, but it also has, it's, it's a fairly new thing, right? So there's That's plenty so of true. room for innovation and change. And sometimes Absolutely. we forget that. Yes. No, that's so, that's so true. You've hit a lot of milestones getting into Oracle Park, even before you achieved this shelf stability milestone is so incredible and so big. And I think it speaks a lot to the demand for the product and also the quality of what you are creating. Thank you. What's next? It's been a wild year. (laughs) I think that's everyone can agree with that. Uh, the, the plans to launch in the spring got derailed just a bit and, and put on hold, uh, but it, it's okay. I think there's, uh, there's, it's okay to, to be you know, a, a little bit later here, and I think you have to sort of be uh, flexible and willing to change and, and pivot constantly, especially with, with COVID throwing so many plans off, off track. And the plan now is to launch very soon. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm unable to say a date here on the podcast, but it is very, very soon. And there are a lot of exciting plans uh, in the works for food service uh, and e-commerce launching, hopefully before the end of the year. 
And soon you'll be able to purchase the product online and have it shipped directly to your door, as well as hopefully be able to find it in a number of food service uh, outlets um, very soon. (laughs) That's so exciting. Your mission is to transform dairy products in general. So I'm curious, what else is on the horizon? You're starting with nacho cheese, but what else do you ideate about? Yes, it, it absolutely is. And I might... You know, I might speak to that a bit more because I think it's it's really relevant in today's world with the situation we find ourselves in with COVID. Um, so I'll, I'll speak to that in a bit. But to answer your your second question, yes, there are definitely future products uh, coming out that you know these products take a while to go through R and D and perfect and get them ready to to scale and go to market. But you can absolutely bet there will be an expansion of products. But the plans are to always stay close to these dairy comfort foods and things that you know I personally was used to eating uh, growing up. On this note of just this year and COVID, you know, as I mentioned, nearly all of us have been touched by this pandemic in in some way, and I think a lot of people are wondering what the world's going to look like when we come out of this. And for me personally, I've just been you know consumed with thinking about how it's going to impact the future of food. And the future of dairy, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. I've been directly impacted by COVID. I've had family members test positive, but I think that there could be, if there's any silver lining here, uh, I think there is one in regards to food. So long as we all take this as an opportunity to, to demand change. And I think this year alone, you know, we've experienced a number of negative effects of climate change. Here in California, we've seen substantial increase in wildfires, tornadoes in the Midwest, back in my home state, you know, strange weather patterns, earthquakes, hurricanes. And we're seeing potentially new emerging threats from factory farms. And this spring in my home state of Arkansas, there was a large amount of slaughterhouse workers that fell, fell ill in uh, factory farm plants. And that resulted in a lot of plants stopping production and problems you know, that were already there were sort of, I think, more amplified and exposed in COVID. There was a number of suppliers that had to kill mil- millions of animals that were set to be slaughtered. Uh, workers were sick. And I think the whole system just quickly broke down and people were able to see how horribly inefficient and not to mention systematically cruel uh, our factory farm system is here in America and beyond. Really, the, the positive message here is it's, it's time for systematic change. And like you said, it's a great reminder to think about how a lot of these foods we're used to eating and modern day factory farming is actually relatively new. So there's plenty of time to shift gears and make changes. It's certainly not too late. And I think just recognizing that Animal agriculture is at the core of so many of our serious challenges that we're facing right now. I could go on in in another podcast about Mm -hmm. antibiotic resistance, worker safety, diseases, species extinction. If we can come together and see this as an opportunity for change, introducing and finding more sustainable ways of farming and creating more plant-based alternatives, I think it's now more apparent than ever before. And so overall, I'm excited. I'm just thrilled to be able to try to make some small contribution to this. But I think the best is yet to come and really just excited and thrilled to see what's going to come come out of this in the next few years. 
When you talk about the alternatives and different ways that we can think about food, I also think of what people are calling Frankenfood that is coming out. <laughs> I've seen that, yes. <laughs> and what's cool about your product is it's <laughs> Velveeta to me seems like Frankenfood, right? I have no idea what that is. I've never actually been into those kinds of products. They always <laughs> seem to me like like plastic disguised as cheese. I was always very confused by them. Uh, but your product, it's real ingredients. It's potatoes, it's tomatoes, it's what else rhymes with potatoes? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that, I love that. <laughs> I'll use that in a, in a marketing ad in the future. <laughs> Thanks, Amanda. No, but you're, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. And it's really funny, I think, to me, because there's been kind of two trends in COVID. You know, one is like this comfort foods have made a comeback. People are looking for convenience and familiarity. They're buying frozen pizzas and snacks and cheeses. But at the same time, there's this shift in healthy eating and consumers are caring more and more about sustainability. And they're looking at ingredient lists, as you said, they're looking into supply chains, they want to know what the water usage is, is, you know, in producing these products. And I see this as a turning point for for dairy in particular, because people are loving plant based burgers, you know, as you said, they're loving oat milk and soy milk, and they're going and getting a Beyond Burger at Carl's Jr., myself very much included. Mm More often than not, though, they're probably going to get cheese on that burger because there's not a dairy cheese option available. And I, I'm willing to bet that the average person buying almond milk right now is probably likely to also be buying dairy cheese. Uh, again, because of the, I think, more limited options available, or maybe more so it's just not really reached that mainstream adoption like we've seen with plant-based burgers and plant-based milks. So I, I don't know if you've noticed that, but I think you're absolutely right in that consumers now, they kind of want it all. They want the the exact replication of the taste. They also want to make sure it's got some nutritional value. They want it to be convenient and extra bonus if it's competing competitive in terms of price point. So I think we've all got our work cut out <laughs> for us, but we're heading in the right direction. I made the mistake. I don't know if it's a mistake because... I actually love living my life like this, trying new <laughs> vegan products, but... Oh, me too. Dangerous. <laughs> I tried a hard cheese made from chickpeas. Very cool. Man, it tastes like chickpeas. <laughs> uh, well, and you know, I think I think that's okay. I think, I think there's room for products that taste like vegetables and they taste different. And then I think there's room for products that are replicating those tastes, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just excited about all the creativity happening. And I think we're evolving and we're learning every year and just products. I'm confident they're just going to get better and better and better. But I hear you. I'm always grabbing like a new product that if it says plant-based, I'm just going to default buy it and try it. And I will say, I think the, the alternatives, especially in the junk food space are getting so good to the point that it's becoming personally problematic for me (laughs) because I cannot resist now buying delicious plant-based ice creams and impossible burgers and all this great food. And I have to be careful. I think it's all about balance. And I have to say, okay, let's make sure I'm putting some whole foods and vegetables in my cart as well, because these comfort foods are getting too good. You have a point too about the the comfort foods and the the snacks. A lot of snacks 
use animal products in a way that's almost meaningless. It doesn't doesn't take up mm-hmm. a large part of their ingredient list, but it's there. And so making the switch from yeah. a junk food that has a little bit of milk to a junk food that has no milk yeah. whatsoever, it's still a junk food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. Something that started from the heart as this is vegetables also feels good and makes you happy and is a comfort food. That's totally different. I think that's a really cool way to build a product. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, that was definitely a, a primary motivator for me because growing up in the South and eating meat and dairy all the time and just... I I can sort of sympathize and understand when people cite complaints about products being unhealthy or too expensive or not accessible and all of these sort of reasons for not trying these products or adopting a plant-based diet. I mean, I... I get it in some respects because I very much grew up as that as that person. But I think when I was thinking about making a product that the old me would have been open to trying, truly, because I kid you not, like I kept craft foods in business. I bought Tostitos queso. I ate it. It's my favorite thing. I mean, I this sounds kind of crazy to admit, but I mean, I probably ate it multiple times every week of my life growing up. And when I was thinking about this, it very much played into me using potatoes as a base because potatoes are universally acceptable to most palates, right? And it's a low allergen food. Mm -hmm. And I think more often than not, if you ask someone if they like potatoes, they're going to say yes, because whether that's French fries or baked potatoes, they're just delicious. And people love potatoes. And so I think they're just an appealing base to start with. They also require significantly less water to produce uh, in comparison to cashews, almonds, and of course, dairy. And There's so many varieties of potatoes that are being worked on around the world. I believe there's drawing a blank on the name of the company, but there's a company right now that's working on a drought resistant potato. And so there's just so many exciting things that you can do with potatoes alone. Most people like potatoes. Potatoes are the underdog that people forget about, but actually are well liked. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) There's so much potential for them to grow. Yeah. Warriors. (laughs) <laughs> drought resistant warriors. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think I appreciate you highlighting that because I'm thinking about kids that are picky eaters or adults who just struggle to incorporate vegetables into their diets. This is an easy swap you can make on your plate to at least get some nutrients and have some vegetables in part of your day. Making these small incremental changes, that's the best way to do it. You know, start small make swaps while where you can buy these replacement products eat more eat more beans throw peppers into your dish whatever you need to do mm-hmm. because it's hard for most people to eat a perfect balanced diet i don't do that myself sometimes you just want a bowl of queso you just want a pizza so i think the best way to do it is just to recognize it takes work to rework your plate Start small, make these swaps, um, slowly work towards the full plate or don't, depending on what you want to do. But just try swapping out one thing at a time because little incremental changes, you know, they lead to big changes and truly the power lies with consumers. And that's where we're going to make systematic change. And back to your original point with the the company sort of foundation, and this is something I actually, I don't think I've shared this publicly, but the name Loka is actually English. It's it's plural of the word locus. And that means a center or source of activity or power. And so I think about this as a bowl of queso at a party. 
because in the South, cheese dip was central to everything. Every family gathering, birthday party, sports watching sort of gathering. It was this indulgent treat that was center to everything. <laughs> so I wanted to I wanted to share that and I wanted to sort of start sharing more of the thinking behind behind the brand uh, with the world. That is so cool. I don't I think that would be missed by most people, especially because <laughs> it's replacing queso, so the first thing you think of is crazy. Yep. The word yep. crazy. <laughs> Which is perfectly fine because it's totally a crazy concept. <laughs> uh-huh, cool. And it's also an English word for the focus or central place of something. And we're really thinking about cheese and rethinking animal products as the center of our diets and the center of what we come around. Yes, absolutely. Very cool. Food is such in like an emotional experience and it's tied to culture and how we're brought up and everything. It is kind of this personal thing. There's a way to, like you said, actually, I'm going to back up a bit. So when you mentioned at the beginning, this idea that the foods we're eating now are still relatively fresh, that's so accurate and so true. Because for me, like growing up in the South, yeah, I think a great example is the holidays. There's all these sort of Southern staple dishes that, that we eat. And Arguably, though, I think they're relatively new dishes. They probably came out of, a lot of them come out of the Southern Living Cookbook. That's really not that far off. So I'm, I'm so open and excited about people being open to either recreating these staple foods, trying new things, creating new traditions, creating new dishes. You know, I think it's, I think it's really exciting. And I think I've seen people starting to do that. That's incredible. When you do launch, what can customers look forward to experiencing or tasting or finding online? The product will definitely be available on our website, eatlocafood.com. You'll be able to ship it directly to your door all over the United States. So I'm very, very excited about that. And I've been working on making sure there's a fun, you know, unboxing experience and just, I really want this brand to just be so much fun. You know, that's the primary, I think, the, the, the number one most important factor is fun, right? Because that should be the central message. It ties into where queso is eaten, and this should just be a fun product, as you said, that just so happens to be plant-based, and it happens to be made with vegetables. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I'm really excited to, to be able to offer that to customers. And I've got a number of other online e-commerce retailers lined up. Uh, I, I'm not quite ready yet to disclose who I think that'll be part of the launch plans, but mm-hmm. you'll be able to find the product online on other websites. We are also have plans in January to launch with a couple of pretty big box um, online retail locations as well. And, you know, with food service, food service is key to kind of my focus and my mission because I want this product to be accessible to everyone and I want to be able to reach a mainstream audience. And in order to do that, I think it's important for me to still focus on food service because that's where I'm going to be able to offer the product to a mainstream audience. And so I'm still very much focused on that, even with COVID. And I've had a number of conversations with some food service vendors that are finding creative ways around the situation we're in. They do have plans to come back online, you know, in the spring and... Uh, some are already actually opening in some forms. So still have food service plans in the works. And I'm really excited just to hit the ground running, you know, in 2021, take all the learnings and the setbacks and the chaos of 2020 and just reset in 2021 and just have a 
have a great year. <laughs> I'm so curious. How large is your team, Lauren? <laughs> well, I don't know if I want to say this uh, in public, <laughs> but technically I am you know, still the only full-time employee. Um, however, I do have a number of part-time uh, people helping me and you know, I've got great advisors and investors. And you know, I think as much as I would love to just bring on a, a big team immediately with COVID, I've tried to be a bit more conservative with cash and spending. And right now I'm just really focused on smoothing out operations, getting the product to scale, getting enough inventory to support sales so that when I do start bringing on people in, in, in sales and operations and filling these in-house roles, we are set up for success and those people are set up for success. And so hopefully very soon I'll be able to start building out that team. I am so excited for your launch. I'm definitely going to be one of your first customers and I'm so excited to open that box of Loca products. Speaking of which, what can customers expect to experience when they receive your product for the first time? Oh, yes. Uh, I'm super excited. We have these really cute branded boxes and you open them up and you can order either a two pack or a four pack. You can mix and match. You can do too mild, too spicy, whatever you like. Mild nacho, which has got sort of a, a typical kind of cheddar flavor. And then the spicy jalapeno, which is my personal favorite, which has got a little bit of a kick to it, which I love. This was a great conversation and thank you so much for just giving me this platform and opportunity to share my views and talk about the company. We've got some really exciting stuff coming up. You can expect a lot of cool content on social media, a completely refreshed, revamped brand uh, look and feel. Whenever we do launch, it's going to be really exciting. So just be on the lookout for that coming, coming very soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Startup CPG podcast. We release new episodes every two weeks, so make sure to give us a follow and five stars if you really enjoyed this episode. Startup CPG is a community, so the best way to stay involved is to sign up for our newsletter at startupcpg.com. Through our newsletter, you'll hear about all of our latest events, our mixers, how to join us for pitch and our latest trade show. You'll read blog posts from our publications and get industry insights from leading experts in our field. So make sure to sign up, startupcpg.com. See you next time.